Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Those same two words of care and concern are at the heart of the command to evangelize. As with Lot in verse 12, God is commanding us about the lost. The command is, I command you to care about your lost family, your friends, your acquaintances, and that they're going to hell. I command you to be concerned about your lost family, your friends, your acquaintances. They're going to be cast into a lake of fire for eternity. A genuine gospel witness to a lost soul springs out of the soil of genuine care and concern for that lost soul. If it doesn't, it's not genuine. And if we say to God, well, I just don't feel that care. You know, I don't feel the concern for that lost person. God's reply is, love's not a feeling, love is a command. When it says, love the Lord your God, it's not like, wait till you get the feeling to love the Lord your God, it's love now, you know. When God says to husbands, love your wives, it's a good thing he doesn't say, wait till you get the feeling. Sometimes you got other feelings. (laughs) But, so, when God commanded Lot, in verse two, to bring them out of this place, God was saying to Lot, Lot, it doesn't matter what you do. Just do all you can to achieve the goal. Bring them out of this place. Everybody wants a formula for evangelism. What are the words I gotta say in this? It doesn't matter. Just bring them out of this place. In evangelism, we're soul winning. We want formulas. We want one, two, three. But God's reply is it doesn't matter what you do. Do what you can do to achieve the goal. Bring them out of this place. What does it mean to bring them out of this place? Paul said it. In Acts 26, 18, he says, the goal is to open their eyes, number one, and to turn them from darkness to light, number two, and from the power of Satan unto God, number three, that they may receive forgiveness, number four, of sins and inheritance, number five, among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And we see that Lot, he got the message, finally, He got the message of the urgency of the issue when he talks to his sons-in-law in in verse 14. Lot went out, spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. So when it says in verse 14, and Lot went out, we see how Lot got serious and got up from his complacency. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to get serious and to get up regarding his call to preach the gospel. Get serious, get up from complacency. And what we see in Lot's message, it's a startling message, the way he comes on. He says, you know, up, get you up out of this place. God's gonna destroy it. It's a startling message, and it's a message with a great amount of urgency. Up, get you out of this place right now, for the Lord is gonna destroy this city. 
his message was urgent. Lot's message was, you've got to move now. There's no time to think about this. Destruction is right at the door. Lot's message was like the gospel message to be saved from destruction. That's why the gospel message is an urgent message. You have to receive the Lord Jesus Christ now. There's no time to think about this. None of us know the time of our death. Destruction might be right around the corner. But they made fun. They thought this was a big joke. This was funny. And that's the typical response of the lost. You know, this last summer, our Israel Restoration phone callers were calling lost Jewish people in St. Louis. And so one of them called a Jewish reporter, a member of what they call the I-Team, in the TV station KSDK in St. Louis. And so on December 2nd, that TV station, KSDK, did an evening special. They reported called, and the title was, Evangelical Group Targeting Jewish People in St. Louis. And in their news piece, they played the recording of our Israel Restoration phone caller speaking to uh, Lisa Zygman. And the conversation went like this. Our representative, our person said, I was calling on behalf of Tom Cantor. He cares very deeply about the Jewish community, so that's why he's sending this free message. He wants to send him a DVD. And Lisa Zygman replies, he's looking for Jewish people? And she says, and the reason is to do what? And the representative said, send a message of hope and gladness to the Jewish community. Now, that's what they played on the television. Now, the reporter on the TV who was reporting all this said with a smirk and a smile on her face these words, quote, the caller from Israel Restoration Ministries said he had a message of hope and gladness to give her. It sounded a lot more like fire and brimstone. See, the Israel Restoration caller said, I cared very deeply about the Jewish community, and he said nothing about fire and brimstone, but he was calling to send the DVD message, hope and gladness. But that lost reporter thought, this is a funny, this is a joke. And a smile on her face, she mockingly says, sounds like fire and brimstone, what a joke. And Lot's son-in-law did the same thing. The sons-in-law mocked Lot. And Lot was sent by God to bring the message of salvation to the sons-in-law. So when the sons-in-law mocked Lot, bringing this message of salvation, they were mocking God. And when we bring the gospel message of salvation to the lost, we are sent by God to bring the message of salvation to the lost. So when the lost mock us, bringing the gospel message of salvation, they're mocking God. And God doesn't take being mocked lightly. He says in Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So Lot tries to live in between in many areas. And he tries to live in between the morals of God and Sodom. And he tries to live in between God and Sodom And Lot, in the process, he betrays his wife by not moving them out of that place, out of Sodom, especially after they were taken almost to Damascus and brought back by Abraham, and that was a decision point, and he betrayed his wife. And finally, in the end, we see that Lot was betrayed by his wife as she looked back on the city that Lot taught her by his own life to love. And what we read, what happened about what happened to Lot's wife is very simply put in verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. 
So she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. Now, we look at that, we look at verse 26, and we say, what is the big deal? So what? She became a pillar of salt for looking back? I mean, all she did was look back. Why should she have become a pillar of salt? After all, it was a big deal happening back there, fire and brimstone falling on her city, on her house, on her family, on her friends. Why shouldn't she look back? Who wouldn't have looked back? What was wrong with looking back? What did her looking back mean? That's the issue. And the Lord Jesus Christ explained what her looking back meant in Luke 17, 31 to 32, when he talked about the time when he would return. And it says, and that day, he which shall be on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that's in the field, let him likewise not return back. And then one of the shortest verses in the Bible, verse 32, remember Lot's wife. Those verses tell us what was wrong with Lot's wife looking back. Her look back was an expression of, oh no, my stuff. I'd rather have my stuff than God. Her look back was an expression of, oh no, my family and my friends. I'd rather have my family and friends than God. Her look back was a look of, I'd rather be with my stuff and with my family and friends rather than God. Lot's wife got out of Sodom, but Sodom never got out of Lot's wife. Her body was out of Sodom, but her heart was in Sodom. When she looked back, she was expressing her love for Sodom, which is what the Bible says not to do in 1 John 2.15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Her look back was her drawing back, as is described in Hebrews 10, 38 through 39. Now the just shall live by faith, but if a man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, but we're not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them which believe to the saving of the soul. See, Lot's wife drew back unto perdition. Lot did not draw back, so his soul was saved. And a very interesting description in Romans eleven twenty two, which is a real chapter about the Jewish people, but it says, Behold the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Goodness and severity of God. Severity on Lot's wife who fell. Goodness on Lot who continued with God. See, that verse is very interesting because what we see, given that that verse is in the chapter about the Jewish people, we really see in this unit of Lot and Lot's wife a picture of the Jewish people. Because even within a family, even within husband and wife, and the closeness of a husband and a wife, there was the goodness of God and there was the severity of God. And within the Jewish people and the Lord Jesus Christ, there is the severity of God on his own that he came to who received him not, John 1.11. And within the same Jewish people, there is the goodness of God on his own on the as many as received him. Those are the ones that he gave the power of God 
to become the sons of God, according to the next verse, John 1.12. So Lot's wife's relationship with her husband, with the righteous soul of Lot, was not enough for her to be saved in the end. And no matter how closely a person is related to a saved person, each person has to do what Paul said in Philippians 2.12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And her look back was a disobedience, a direct in the face of God disobedience because he said, don't look back. In verse 17, it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life, look not behind thee. So with her look back, she not only expressed her love, but she expressed her question. She questioned. Her look back questioned. Her look back, she questioned. She questioned with two words, would be, should be. See, her look back, she questioned whether Sodom really would be destroyed. Her look back, she questioned really whether Sodom should be destroyed. And when God says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and then Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, it's saying what an Old Testament verse is describing hell for all eternity for lost sinners of all books, the book of Isaiah, verse 66, verse 24, when it describes hell as they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. So for us to remember Lot's wife means that we will not question with Lot's wife if lost sinners should be cast into hell. So her look back was an expression of all these things, but her was really an expression of she'd rather have all of her stuff and her family and her friends than God, that she loved her stuff and her family and her friends over God, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. And the record that we have here of her as a pillar of salt stands as a monument for all time that tells us to love God more than stuff and more than family and more than friends. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, remember Lot's wife. Don't forget Lot's wife. And there shouldn't be a day go by in our lives that we don't remember Lot's wife. Lot tried to live in between God and Sodom when Lot betrayed his unmarried daughters by offering to prostitute them to be sexually violated by a mob. And what happened? Finally, in the end, we saw that Lot was betrayed by his own unmarried daughters as they drugged him and each sexually violated Lot to carry out their hellish scheme. And I don't want to talk about uh, Lot's daughters because the Bible says in Ephesians 5.12, it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But I just want to speak about one part of what they did, or what was so important in their scheme in verse 32-35. You know, and to introduce, I want to tell you a story. One time, my very dear friend, colleague, and I and our families were working at a trade show in Germany, and his son was with us. And that night, wine was flowing. And my friend didn't drink wine, doesn't drink wine, didn't drink wine. And I heard his son ask him at the table, Dad, why don't you drink wine? And my friend replied, because wine makes me do foolish things, and I don't want to do foolish things. Now, we can see from the following verses how key wine was to making Lot do foolish things. 
that he otherwise wouldn't have done. Notice in verse 32, come, let us make our father drink wine, and we'll lie with them. Verse 33, and they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went and lay with their father. Verse 34, let us make him drink wine this night also. Go thou in, lie with him. Verse 35, and they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger also arose and lay with him, and he perceived it not. He perceived it not. He didn't even know. It said that in both verses. He didn't even know when she lay down when she rose up. So chapter 19 closes with the sad history of Lot. Lot is a stained saint. The stained saint who betrayed and the stained saint who was betrayed. The stained saint who allowed his own dying heart to lead him into death. The stained saint who tried to live between the world and God. The stained saint who, in order to live between God and Sodom, ended up betraying God, betraying Abraham, betraying his own community of Sodom, betraying his married daughters, betraying his sons-in-law, betraying his wife, betraying his unmarried daughters. The stained saint who tried to live in between God and Sodom, who finally ended up being betrayed by his community of Sodom, by his married daughters, by his sons-in-law, by his wife, by his unmarried daughters, and foremost, by his own heart. But... Even though Lot betrayed God and Lot betrayed Abraham, God and Abraham never betrayed Lot. And so we also see how God didn't betray Lot from verse 16 where it says, while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. He lingered and God lays hold on his hand. Even when he's lingering, he's sitting there, he's thinking, you know, I'm not sure. Even then, God doesn't betray him. He's betraying God when he's lingering, and even then, God takes him out. You know what that shows? That shows how unique our God is compared to everybody else. They all betrayed him. Now, the stained saint who tried to live in between God and Sodom, he ended up seeing his whole life plans that he worked so hard come to a tragic end. He tried to live in between God and the world. He ended up betrayed by all, and he's left alone in a cold, dark cave. And the last scene that we see in Scripture of Lot is like a picture of the end result of Lot's life. He's alone. He's in a dark cave. He's without a friend. He's without a possession. What a tragic end, because it could have been so different. And all because he tried to live in between God and the world. It just didn't work. It just doesn't work. It just never will work. It never will. Any Christian who tries to be like Lot to live in between God and the world is destined to repeat the tragic history of Lot. He still gets to heaven. He washes up on the shore, doesn't have anything to show. He's like, it speaks in 1 Corinthians 3 about if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be manifest for the day will declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire will try what sort it is. If a believer says no to the world and yes to God and he doesn't betray God, then he has gold and silver that withstands the fire and he's able to have the joy of placing that gold and silver in the hands of the Savior and say, here, I lived my life in obedience to you. I betrayed no one, as Paul said. Wherefore, I take to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God in Acts 20, 26, 27. Paul did not shun, in contrast to Lot, who shunned and lingered. 
And if a believer tries to live like Lot in between God and the world, then at the end of his life, it's all going to be wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to be burned up. And there's a pitiful picture of the believer bending over a pile of ashes, trying to collect them up and press them into the hand of the Savior and to say, well, I'm sorry that that's all I have to give you because I tried to live between the world and God. So when we look at Lot's life, we can see that this is a life which is a life of a lack of commitment to God, halfway believer, the life of a betrayer, and the life of a person who was betrayed. And the end of result is loss, confusion, and bewilderment. He doesn't know what hit him. And as we come to chapter 20, what the tragedy is, is what's not written. Because when we finish chapter 19 and we come into chapter 20, the tragedy is that there's nothing more written in the Bible about Lot. So from chapter 20, with the history of God and man, it continues with Abraham that there's nothing more to read in the Bible about Lot. As far as usefulness goes for God, Lot's life is finished. And it didn't have to be that way. And that's the sadness of it. As far as usefulness for God, Lot's life is over. And it didn't have to be that way. That's the greatest tragedy of every believer who tries to live in between God and the world, who tries to be the halfway believer and get away with it, that his whole life can be ended up without any usefulness for God, as Lot's was. But Lot's salvation is interestingly explained in verse 29, where it says, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out. See, that phrase, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out, It shows how God heard Abraham's prayer for Lot, and he answered it. It shows that Abraham was the person in James 5, 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Abraham's prayer was effectual and availed much for Lot. And that's a great encouragement for us to pray for the lost. By the way, that reads, it's very interesting. It's also very interesting as we pray for the Jewish people. You know, after a Jewish person has slammed the door in your face, and you're angry, how are you supposed to pray for him other than the imprecatory prayers of David, you know? But you look at this man who's angry against God. He hates the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you supposed to pray? God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out. God remembered Abraham and sent out a relative of Lot who was greatly polluted in Sodom. Why did God send Lot out? Because God remembered Abraham. When Moses prayed for the Jewish people, after they had made the golden calf and God said he wanted to destroy them, he said in Exodus 32, 13, remember Abraham. In praying for the lost Jewish people to not be destroyed, Moses prayed to God, remember Abraham. You know, Moses did not pray to God, now God, just look on the good side of the Jewish people. You know, <laughs> he didn't say, God, remember Albert Einstein and the theory of relativity. And remember Leonard Bernstein and West Side Story. And remember Jonas Salk and the polio vaccine. And remember Vladimir Horowitz and Isaac Stern and Yitzhak Perlman and Pincus Zuckerman and Yehudi Menuhin. He didn't say that. <laughs> but he prayed to God to remember Abraham. Remember Abraham's faith and remember the promises that you have made to Abraham. And when we pray for the lost Jewish people, that's what we should pray. Lord, remember your promises to Abraham like Moses did. We got a good teacher there in Moses, Rabbeinu, our teacher. Now, in closing here, verse 27, it says, and Abraham got up early in the morning in the place where he stood before the Lord and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the plain, the country, and so forth. See, those words in verse 28, he looked, 
It makes us think back of Lot's wife. She looked back. Sodom represents to us the world. Lot looked at Sodom and saw that it was for him. Later he repented. Lot's wife looked at Sodom and said she was in love with Sodom. Abraham looked at Sodom and said, it has nothing for me. We want to see the world like Abraham saw Sodom and say, it's got nothing that I want. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this picture we have of Lot, and we pray that you would help us to incorporate the lessons that are here in this chapter. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.